From Social Service to Ashi, I'm Jing Yao. This year, in 2022, we're starting and experimenting with a few mini series. And as part of the experience, we have new co hosts too. The work of social work is how we plan to discuss first hand social work perspectives and social work issues in Singapore. Our co host today is medical social worker Sophie Cheng, who is also publication chair of the Singapore Association of Social Workers. Here's today's episode. Member of Parliament Louis Ng has been a leading legislative voice on the work and welfare of the Singaporean social worker. We touch on four themes in this episode pay and compensation, burnout and retention, case management and caseload ratio, as well as community work, before sharing his ongoing public consultation for social workers. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Mr. Ng. Thanks for joining us. For some time, you know, social work and social workers have been key legislative focuses for you. Um, you know, in fact, we reached out because you are currently running a public consultation to better support social workers at family service centers or FSCs. But maybe before that, tell us a little bit more about how you began to focus on social work and social worker issues as a member of parliament. Uh, well, it really started from the ground where I was helping a couple of children who were going through a tough time. Some were sent to a place of safety and uh, removed from the, the families and the school. And, you know, I shared the story in Parliament when we, in the bill speech and I was asking for more help for, uh, at least for the social workers at the places of safety. Because I know they're trying their best uh, in very difficult circumstances. And, and, and I think many times it didn't work. I saw kids that were sent to a place of safety. Eventually, they were sent to the boys' home or the girls' home. And, you know, I started to look at the intergenerational incarceration rates as well. And, and as I, I followed the stories of some of these children, I just sat down with my team and asked, what can we do to prevent more children from going through similar, well, the similar paths? And of course, you know, we, we started brainstorming and said, okay, on the ground, let's have more programs. Must be an issue of not enough programs out there. But as we really deep dive into the issue, we realized actually there were so many programs, but a lot of social workers just didn't have the resources or were really suffering from burnout. And as I started to speak to social workers, you know, the, the FSCs in my own constituency and started to realize actually the problem really might be that the, the people that are helping other people actually need help themselves. And that's why I started to file a whole series of parliamentary questions to, again, deep dive, find out what the, the data, what the, the issues are on the ground. And I realized that it really is an issue, something that we, we perhaps need a lot more attention on. And of course, preceding that, you know, that groundwork and that deep dive and, you know, finding that series of parliamentary questions is a personal curiosity of mine, right? So how do you think kind of your past work with of ACUS or the Animal Concerns Research and Education Society has informed how you advocate for social workers, right? And for listeners who may not be familiar, Mr. Ng founded and previously worked full-time in ACUS, which is a non-government animal protection and animal welfare charity. So how do you think your work at ACUS kind of informs part of your advocacy and, and, and work right now? Well, it formed a huge part of me. I mean, I started that, it sounds so scary. I started that 21 years ago. And I realized sometimes when I share this story, some of the people I share with weren't even born yet. <laughs> That's how I know how old I am. But uh, I... I mean, those were the good old days of struggling, uh, setting up something, a brand new court in Singapore, starting a movement with very limited resources. We were trying to do our, our best. And again, it's, it's very similar to what a lot of social workers are facing. So, you know, I understand the constraint, I understand the difficulties, and I also understand how important the, the work is that, uh, 
ACUS does in the social workers do? And perhaps how, uh, as a government, we can provide more support to the people that are making a difference in, in our society. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that answer. Um, so you've raised uh, many social work related questions in Parliament over the years. So we've grouped them in uh, four broad themes. Uh, uh, I think social work professionals will see the themes as interconnected, but a deeper dive into each may be helpful. So the first one relates to pay and compensation. You're, thank you very much. You know, you have raised these questions in the parliament asking MSF, Ministry of Family and uh, Social and Family Development, uh, if they will recommend pay increases. And similarly, you have also highlighted that while social work is not just about the money, a good enough salary is important. So how would you respond to that? to concerns that social service agencies do not necessarily adhere to the salary guidelines by the National Council of Social Services and that the rate of salary increases for, so, for social worker may not necessarily be accurate. Yeah, because in 2019, I think about 79% of social service agencies adhere to the guidelines. Mm, what, what are some well, same thing. I mean, obviously we can do better. There's about one in five that, that don't meet the guidelines. And, you know, I mean, many are already saying the guidelines, I mean, that that base salary is, is really not enough. But at the same time, you know, I, I'm always mindful. Same as I started with the place of safety. And when I visited, I, I realized it's difficult. The very low manpower, trying to mm. deal with a whole group of kids from very difficult backgrounds that are all angry and upset, put together. And here's a social worker mm -hmm. trying to, to do their best. And they're an NGO. That's why, again, I said the government needs to, to step in for this. Again, they're doing good for our society. Many times they're doing the work, sometimes they feel government should be doing. And so for those that are not meeting the guidelines, then I, I feel we should step in, see what help they need, hear directly from social workers. Many of them depend on grants from the government. So it's whether we're providing enough grants. And I, and I know you're going to ask this later, I mean, whether it's grants for casework or comm work, whether we can sort of expand the, the grant scheme as well, not just keep focusing on casework. Because I, I think, again, social workers are, are needing the money, but they're also needing the money for different, different aspects of their work. But of course, as I said in, in you know, my social media posts and in Parliament, I know many social workers are not doing this for the money, but at the end of the day, in a very pragmatic society, money is important as well. And not just for the current social workers, but to try and fill the gap in the manpower crunch that we're facing. I think a, a decent salary will help to, to get more social workers on board and to join this industry. Yeah, thank you so much for your response. And related to the pay is burnout and, as you also alluded to, a retention. So in March uh, 2019, it was revealed that the annual vaccination uh, rate of social workers is about 17%. You've asked in Parliament about how fresh, how long fresh graduates remain in the sector. You've asked about the number of social workers who have left the professions and the reason for doing so. So in response, the ministry cited uh, career rest, other career rest, opportunities, family and caregiving reasons, and as well as job fit. What else do you think we can do to reduce social work burnout and to increase retention? What's some thoughts of yours? Well, I think the, the government's reply, I mean, those are valid reasons, but as a lot of social workers are saying, there are many other reasons as well. One of the biggest is burnout, perhaps lack of guidance. And that came out quite, quite well, unfortunately, that it came out in a lot of the consultations that I did with social workers. And one good example was the FSC that, that knew that a lot of fresh grads coming in, they, you know, they were thrown into the pit. All of a sudden, they were dealing with very difficult cases, multifaceted, family violence, spousal abuse, and they needed the guidance. They needed some training. 
But the FST was sharing, they didn't have time to send the social workers to SSDI for training, for example. So then they realized, okay, why don't I do my own in-house training? Get some of the senior social workers to, to help run some of these courses for the junior social workers. But then senior social workers were leaving quite very high rates. And so then, you know, they, they enter this vicious cycle where they don't have seniors to help train the, the juniors. The juniors were then leaving because they didn't have enough guidance or suffering from burnout. Then the FST was in this horrible, vicious cycle where, and what gives, right? And then the, those that are remaining would then have to take on a higher casework. Even worse now, they have no time to go for training because as they're training, they're handling, it's quite scarily, sometimes 40, some of the senior social workers were handling over 40 case cases mm. you know, where, you know, how can a, a person, I mean, physically, emotionally handle that many cases? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because that supervision piece and the burnout retention piece also relates to something you've talked about a fair bit, which is about case management and caseload ratio, right? Which bears some explanation for listeners in the sense of this, when we talk about caseload ratio, we're talking about number of cases or individuals or families that each social worker has to take on. In addition to that, it's also important, as you mentioned in Parliament, these different cases are often classified by risk and complexity into four groups. So a group four case would be much more complex than a group three, than a group two and group one, right? So all this you've mentioned in Parliament and Ultimately, it seems like based on the responses, the family service centers or the FSCs themselves appear to have the most discretion over workload allocation. So I guess the question or kind of two-part question will be, does an optimal kind of caseload ratio exist? And what changes do you think will be helpful for social workers in relation to case management in that sense? So I think that's what I've been sort of pushing towards. That there has to be a cap in terms of the number of cases that a social worker can handle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's similar in many other industries, right? A teacher can only teach a class size of, of that many students, beyond which it becomes counterproductive. Yeah. And I see the same for social workers. I mean, those, and then 40 cases, I mean, they're saying they have only a finite amount of time and resources for each case. And it basically is less and less time for each family and they're helping and ultimately less and less effectiveness. And I think many are reaching the breaking point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what is the magic number? I think that's, that's what we've been asking now. I mean, I've asked that in my consult, still gathering the data to see uh, how many cases a social worker can possibly handle, how many group two, how many group three, how many group four. Even for senior social workers, I mean, some of them are burnt out because they are handling or supervising so many other social workers. So they're trying to see what's an optimal number as well. And I, I think the number will have to be done through consults with the social workers themselves. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't think myself or myself can come up with that number. It has to be from the ground. Mm-hmm. And also something you mentioned in the beginning as well, casework might sometimes be one part of their responsibilities. They have supervision, they have other responsibilities that have to be taken into account as well, which I think would, would have to feature in the conversation for sure. And I, I think it came out in the, in the media, I mean, with a lot of the, the FSCs are sharing Cases are no longer that as simple as the past. It's very multifaceted now. You know, there were some of the FSCs were suggesting whether we could have specialist social workers at each FSC. We're exploring that, but a lot of times they're saying that might complicate things. But you know, I mean, I see the, the problems that some of the, the fresh grads are facing. They come in and the case again, especially if there's suicide and there's violence, it's very hard for them to all of a sudden apply what they learn in theory to now practice when lives are at stake. I mean, 
livelihood might be a little bit easier to handle, but when lives are at stake, I can see how emotionally draining it is for the social worker that's just got into the seat. And in a kind of broader sense, we talked about the three big themes. The fourth one, which is something you've, recent, you've mentioned quite recently, you've asked a PQ or parliamentary question about the effectiveness of quote-unquote community work. So maybe help us understand how is community work understood in social work practice and what do you think is its importance or significance and why is it so important to you in that sense? You know, the, the sort of social work handbook that really sort of signifies the importance of community work. It's about going out into the community to reach out to people that might become caseful. And I, I see that's why that's the, the important part because you're sort of addressing the root of the problem. And you know, with many social workers, they're really telling me the casework is like putting a bandage on a wound, but it was just still bleeding and there's many more, more and more wounds coming. And so it, it really is unlimited. And a lot of them are saying they, they would love to do more calm work, go into the community, but they just don't have the resources. Except for this beautiful FSC called South Central FSC, which somehow has, when I, I met social workers recently on the consultation, I mean, they seem so happy. They, they are, are doing beautiful and an amazing work. And um, at the same time, they, they had that com work. They had social workers who had the resources and the bandwidth to do com work. They did very little casework for that worker, but the bulk of it was going down on the ground to understand the needs of the community and to plug the gap there. So, you know, and you look at it from the vicious cycle that we talk about, eventually that might then result in a reduction in the casework. Then the social worker has more breathing space because we have re we sort of solved the problems at the start. And I think that's the important part. But again, the bulk of the social workers that we spoke to, they don't have the resources or the manpower to do the comfort. So focus on casework goes back to the same thing of MSF provides funding for casework. So many people focus on casework. And that's interesting to pick up because as you mentioned, you've spoken to, you have, you've spoken to, you've had so many interactions with social workers based on your groundwork. In addition to what we've shared so far, what other social work concerns or challenges have you heard from these, these individuals and organizations? So I put the research work into the public consultation as well. Because, you know, and many social workers will complain, they spend so much time inputting data into SSNet, right? <laughs> There's this mountain of data there. Uh, but it seems, and strangely, they don't have the, the hours or the resources to then analyze the data. I understand the reports they get. I mean, if they churn out some reports, it's very basic. But, you know, they, they, they all know that, again, casework is the last, it's the lesser of the evils. It, it really is at the point of, Right at the end now, but they're saying now, look, if there's all the data there, they could look into if they like issue. They could look and say, okay, divorce rates are going on. They're seeing a lot of divorce cases mm -hmm. coming through SSNet. They're trying to handle Then Perhaps they could go on the ground and see what are the issues. Maybe they can, can do more family programs. If they see that spousal abuse is going up, maybe again, they can try and plug the gap by going on the ground uh, to, to have more causes or more programs to, to deal with family issues. Just see his financial assistance, then again, they could maybe have some financial literacy costs or have some saving programs with some of the FSCs have. But again, they're just sharing their frustration that the data is there, but they just spend so much time inputting the data, but <laughs> no time to, to dissect and analyze the data. Yeah. That then again fits into with the data and with the resources and manpower, they could then do com work. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, all this then goes down to how this will then reduce the casework. 
Otherwise, it's a never-ending uphill task now of more and more casework, which we, are, we already know with, with the pandemic, we're seeing record number of casework. And so that's why, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm worried because I see that many of them are at the burnout stage already. Yeah. Many of them, as I shared the story of SD, is trying to, to firefight. Yeah. With seniors are leaving. We have a huge gap to fill now. If we have a whole group of senior social workers, these are anecdotal, but I see on the ground now. Mm-hmm. You're losing a lot of experience that we very much need now, especially as we're fighting this. And, and I was going to quickly add that another part of the the practice kind of research partnership is that research and I can take responsibility on behalf of my colleagues, but which is the research part is always very one thing. So, you know, in addition to reducing the case, which I agree, um, a lot of the support can come from the researchers. I think sometimes researchers as well intentioned as we may be sometimes add to the workload instead where uh, you come in with more projects, you come in with more recruitment and not being mindful of, of what the status quo is, as a, is, is, a, is. It might be like, and I think that's something that deserves a little bit more attention. I know Sophie's going to jump in with kind of two quick fire questions that are slightly more personal in that sense, but go ahead, Sophie. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I just want to thank Louis for understanding. I think I think I really appreciate that you see the systemic issue, the, the virtuous cycle, but also I hear that you do see that there's a possibility of the virtuous cycle. We did uh, mention like self-centrous as one example. So what is that one superpower that you think that social workers would need? And that, you know, if you, are, you can grant us that one superpower to get into this virtuous cycle, what would that be? I can't do that. Well, it really is in a consult. I think to break this cycle, there needs to be some funding for manpower and resources for both research and homework. If we start to do that, I think eventually we can break that cycle. Eventually then, I know when I talk about the cap for social work, casework, many are saying that that's quite impossible at this time, but I think that's something that we can work towards. But nothing will break this cycle unless we increase the amount of homework and research. Again, many of these are NGOs, so government has to step into some grants for this. Mm, so grants and probably uh, some some abil- capabilities to do groundwork and, and research. Thank you so much. And Sorry, I mean, the, Sophie, the, a lot of social workers tell me that the, like homework is their CCA, mm, which is very sad. I mean, the, it really should be the main part of the work. So going down, knowing the community, understanding the, the gaps, plugging them. But for many, it's their CCA mm-hmm. after their work hours even. I think that has to be almost the main bulk of the work. And hopefully then, eventually, I mean, within our lifetimes, casework becomes the CCA. Because you're always there on the ground. Yeah. So actually, you have, you have answered my, my question, actually, in a way. Because this, this sounds like your hope and dream for us, that, you know, homework will become the mainstay and, and the more casework interventions would, would be like the last resort and, you know, the, you know, our CCA so has to speak. So do you have any other hopes or dreams uh, that you have for social work in Singapore? I think that's really the main thing. I mean, I spent a fair bit of time listening on the ground to what the concerns are. But, uh, you know, I wish I had my team. This is a sad part. Like, every consultation we do, the problems that they share I mean, are very similar. I mean, again, the burnout is very real and I think we need to do something soon. I mean, again, that's why I will be speaking out further about this. That's why I'm doing the, the consultation. I mean, for the social workers who haven't participated, please do. The data, as you know, I've been stressing, it's important. It gives us a better understanding of what, what is really needed around. 
And you know, most of all, I, I mean, I see it with my, uh, with Nisun East, we focus a lot on combat. I do this with the Red Cross. Now, I always share to the point where with COVID, Red Cross on the ground can tell me COVID cases faster than MOH can tell me because our eyes and ears are on the ground now. If there's an issue on the ground, I, I hear it much faster than sometimes the agencies will tell me because the kids know to tell Celine and Gary from Red Cross. They share their problems with them directly and then I'm able to plug the gap. We do it through our mentorship sessions on the ground, setting up a new care corner right at the white deck so the kids have a place to go to. But all this, I can see that the importance of homework as we follow up with the PSLE kids, we do more intensive sessions with them and, and we see the results of it now. So that eventually we break this cycle. You know, I've asked the same, like, how many ComCare recipients, their children will end up receiving ComCare as well. The intergenerational data that we really need to focus on. I think I remember MSL saying they don't have the data yet. Same when I asked for intergenerational incarceration rate. At that time, Amrin was replying to me that they don't track that. And, and it worries me that we don't. Because I think the ultimate effectiveness of our work is how we can break this vicious cycle. So that there isn't the next generation don't face the same thing that the parents have faced. And that's what I want to work towards. That's what I, I want to work with the social workers too. And I'm sure this is their dream as well. Thank you. On that note, we were just going to mention that the, your ongoing public consultation, we will link it in the show notes. So folks who are listening, social workers in particular in FSCs, do reach out and, 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 and click on the link and uh, take a time through the consultation. I think that'll be very much appreciated. I think I speak on behalf of Sophie and everyone who is listening. We really thank you for the work you've done and for spending time with us today. And uh, thank you very much for your time. I, I should say one thing though. I'm focusing on FSC social workers yeah. first, but I have not forgotten about Sophie. <laughs> our medical social workers, our social workers from all the other FSAs. But I mean, the data shows that the FSC social workers are bang the brunt, facing the highest depression and anxiety rates. I mean, the surveys show that. So that's why I always believe small steps at a time. I'll start with so the FSC social workers first before moving on to help all the other social workers. Well. Great. That's good news. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.